0: There is no one like the Lord, absolutely no one like the Lord. Never be ashamed of Him, never be ashamed of who you are. You know, I've had people say, you know, you are totally mentally ill. That's what they say to me. And I said, you don't know the half of it. I mean, I'm much worse than mentally ill. I mean, God, God came in and saved a reprobate like me. Uh, today we're going we're gonna to have a great journey in the Word of God. We're going to talk about what in the world is a man and woman of God anyway? What is that? What does that even mean? And what are, what are we supposed to be? Who are we? And, and when we talk of ministry, what does that mean? You know, we're in the ministry. Did you know all of us are in the ministry? I mean, we, you know, when I came to Christ, I was, uh, when, I, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, let's put it this way, I, I was uh, in the roofing business. And uh, we had a guy there that, and it, he was an opportunity. And uh, anyway, and in those roofing businesses, I I got to watch, just by being what I am, I got to watch the entire roofing company come to Christ. I mean, all the families came to Christ. And it wasn't something I was trying to do. In fact, there would be many times I was asking the Lord in my confusion as a young man, uh, how do I deal with this reprobate that I'd like to punch right in the face? In Jesus' name, of course. (laughs) You know, and... uh, how do you deal with them? How do you deal with them? And what do you do with men like that? And, and I have to tell you, I just thought, well, I'm going to deal with him like Christ dealt with all of us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> just Father, forgive them. And I kept doing that and doing that, and eventually that man would walk up to me. On a, on a, this was down in Arizona, and he'd walk up into that track that day, and he would, he walked right up, a, and just as loud as he'd been foul before, he's always loud. And the other thing was irritating, he was a former Marine. That just really bothered me. You know, the, I mean, I expect more out of Marines. And, and yet he had this foul mouth, and all of a sudden he just walks right up in the morning, it's zero dark 30 in the morning, and says, Gus, I want to know the Jesus you know. And right then and there he came to Christ. And when he prayed, I want you to know he was just as loud as praying. Everybody on every roof could hear him. And then he went up every single ladder to tell every man, I just came to know the Lord. They all heard it many times. And I look back at that and I said, that's the magnificent. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) I'm going to give you some scriptures in a moment. I just want you to know uh, uh, we've had this done for you today. And uh, she put these things together and it's a a bookmarker. And I'm going to because I wanted to give you something about the Word of God. Sometimes we're reading this Bible as if it's a book, and we're reading it because it's been put into chapters and verses. We, we, we make it like an academic thing instead of the breath of God. And so I want to tell you about the breath of God a little bit. In Genesis, when the man was made and, and formed out of the earth, God humbled himself. First of all, he humbled himself. Think of this. Everything that God made, he spoke. You read in Isaiah, he spoke it. And and he said, and I did it by myself. He wants to declare, I did it by myself. He speaks, and the universe comes forth. He speaks, and the earth is here. He speaks, and there's an ocean. He speaks, let it be filled, and it is filled with all kinds of creatures. He speaks, and let the animals come forth, and they're there. He speaks, and let the trees, and they're there. All of this, but then when it came to you and I, he formed us. He humbled himself, formed us out of the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became a living soul. Job said, if it was his intention and he withdrew his spirit and his breath, if God said it's enough, it's enough, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to the dust. We would instantly not even know it. It would be, boom, we are gone. If he said, I withdraw my spirit and my breath, I withdraw myself, that's what would happen. Isaiah talks about how the rains come down, and the, and the snow comes down and it, and it, uh, from heaven, and, and it does not return to it goes back without watering the earth. And you know it. It comes down, then it goes back. To, it goes right back. It comes down, the water comes down, the snow comes down, and then it goes back into heaven. And he says, so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It will not return to me without accomplishing what I intended, what I sent it for. There's a magnificence in the breath of God. Then in Hebrews, for the Word of God is living and sharper than any double-edged sword, and it reveals the thoughts and the attitudes, my thoughts, my attitudes, and the magnificence. And then Paul would say, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable. And that's what we're going to do today. We're gonna, it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in, and it's important, righteousness so that the man, you, the woman, you, of God, is equipped for every good work, that you might experience the joy of the Lord along your journey. So we're going to deal with it. So, can I ask a few questions? Now? What does it mean to be a man or a woman of God? You know, I I, I started that over forty years ago because I found that when I came into Christ after the Marine Corps, I was semper fidelis, always faithful. But and you know, I was glad to be a Marine. I was never shy about being a Marine. I've told everybody. You know, I wish I know most of you wished you could have been Marines, but we were only looking for a few good men. That's why you couldn't come. And. <laughs> You know, never shy about it. Well, when I came to Christ, I wasn't shy about that either. And yet I found, I found so many men and women still thinking they were some kind of a dirt bag on a journey trying to struggle with their sinful nature. And that didn't make any sense to me. And I'm young. I'm in the Word of God, and I I started realizing that God doesn't say, you lowlife and sinner. He says, you're my son. Come to me. I'm your father. Speak to me. Be joyful always. You are a man so that the man of God, that's what I am. So I began to declare that, and the first person I ever said that to, I walked up into a church, and I walked up to a pastor, and I said, good morning, man of God, and it was as if I hit him in the chest, and he says, well, I'm not a man of God, and I said, bummer, you're going to hell, and he was the pastor of the church, you know, Marines do have a boldness about them, and I looked at that, and he says, well, I'm trying, I said, you can't try, you either are or you aren't. That's just the way it is. You better get used to it right now. God either made you a man of God or you're not a man of God. And if you're not a man of God, let's get you there. Let's get you to where you understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, He didn't give a little dabble, do you? He anointed you with His whole presence. It's all you. Now get used to it. Enjoy it. And find out this beautiful journey of faith. So, and then I asked, well, "What is ministry anyway?" When I was a young man, I, I don't know what ministry is. I don't know what the church is for. What does it mean to be the ministry? What is the ministry of God? And so, I want to take you through a little journey this morning. And I want to I want to remind you that what we're about to go into is not. It's meant to be more than a uh, more than an exchange of information. It's meant to be an encounter with life itself. We open the Word of God, and I'm in the presence of God. I'm in, in breath. When I teach pastors in, in how to lead and, and work in and things, I say, never, never go into your office and prepare a sermon. Never. Go always into the presence of God and open His Word, and let Him teach you the magnificence of who you are, what you are, where you're to be. Then apply it to your life, and then write it down. <laughs> and now go preach what you just learned which you're now applying. Otherwise, you're just passing on info, which won't help anybody. We have to know that this breath is, becomes our breath. The application is, what do I do? Why does God say these things? So, I'm going to look at, if you want to look at Mark 12, 28 through 34, yesterday, or, yeah, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Band of Brothers. I gave them part of this, but I'm going to, we're going to go to the end of this thing, and I wanted you to see something. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God today. Because we don't hear much about the kingdom of God today. We sing about the kingdom of God, but what is it? So, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. I always think that's funny to me. I don't know why. Did you notice he gave them a good answer? Isn't that cool? Jesus gave them a good answer. And he says, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And the most important one Jesus answered is this, Hear, O Israel, hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now that's important because he's gonna, they're going to hear about the Comforter. They're going to find out He's the Son of God and yet He's God. There's gonna, he's going to know about the Father. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no greater commandments than these. <laughs> Notice in the, he, he looked at him and he says, you know, he thought again, that was well said. He said, well said, teacher, the man replied. To love him with all of your heart, to know that there is no other God, to love him with all your heart and with your understanding and with your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now listen to these words. It's more important than any sacrifice, any work you can do for Christ. It's more important than all the labor. So whatever ministry is, it's not a bunch of labor. (laughs) Ministry is about loving the Lord your God, learning to know the magnificence you can't love Him well if you don't even like you, if you don't realize the new nature that's been rebirthed in us, if we can't celebrate, if we're still unashamed, still shamed all the time, or feeling guilty all the time, or I'm embarrassed all the time, or I'm fearful to express my love of God, I can't ever get there. Ministry is in this area, and, and what it means to be a man of God. When Jesus knows, and He said, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, here it is, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're really close. All of a sudden you realize that everything here is relational. God loves you. When we find that the most important commandments, if you love the Lord, you keep his commandments, the most important commandments are relational. There always have been. That's why we have to talk well to each other. That's why we have to speak words of kindness to each other. That's why we were meant. The sinful nature always wants to get in a fight. I have never once had a quarrel with my wife because the Holy Spirit said, get into her face. (laughs) Not one time. Not one time have I ever had an argument with anybody. I've never had to yell at anybody in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've never been able to raise my hand and worship and then just chew you out. No. It's relationships. And somehow we've gotten that the idea of Christianity is doing. It's the doing. It's the labor. How much labor are you putting in? The labor comes out of the relationship. You never get tired in Christ. You, do, you can be physically fatigued where you have to go take a nap. I'm very successful at that. I'm very good at taking naps, aren't I, hon I do that regularly. It keeps me good and healthy. But, that, but you don't get fatigued emotionally or spiritually, so then we find not only are they relational, but they have something to do with the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God must be relational. In fact, in Luke 4:43, our Lord says, "I must preach the good news of the, the good news." but the word "good news is, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God." Now remember what the gospel is. We need to always go back and remind ourselves. What is the gospel? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news. Why? It is the power of God for what? For salvation. For in the gospel is a righteousness from God, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. In other words, I'm trusting God. I believe God that what He said about me when I received Christ is all true. And I'm going to choose today to live there. Why? For the righteous man, the righteous woman, always live by faith. That means when something, a storm comes into their life, they know. What has God said? What do I know the Lord said to react here? Then I act upon it no matter what my sinful emotions are doing. I choose not to fight. I choose not to argue. I choose not to accuse. Why? Because God told me I have no condemnation. There's the beautiful part. So then, he says, I must preach the, this good news of the kingdom to other towns. Why? Because that's why I was sent. Now isn't this amazing that Jesus Christ himself never talked about salvation and going to heaven? He talks about the kingdom. 100%, he talks about the kingdom. Always the kingdom of God. Always. I must preach the, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. In Mark 9:1. I tell you the truth, some of you who are standing here, I tell you, this is back then. Well, standing here will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God come. John writes in those famous words about being born again, because we use that all the time. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Have you been born again? What, What is that? And we always translate that into salvation. That's not what God said. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark... I always like that after dark. I don't know why, this just seems funny to me. You know, I'd really like to go see Jesus, but I think I'm going to do it after dark. Why? I don't want the other Pharisees seeing what I'm about to do. Because there was a real tension going down here. So there's an honor with Jesus, to, to honor him. He's about to honor him. But there's also a fear of people. A fear that... If I speak of Jesus or say that I'm beginning to think He's the Messiah, I'm going to get ridiculed, maybe kicked out of the synagogue, even though I'm a Pharisee. So after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell... Right off the get-go, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot... Enter the kingdom of God. I tell you, unless you are born again, rebirthed, you, Nicodemus, you will never see the kingdom of God. You will never enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, you know the stories in confusion. What do you mean? Explained Nicodemus. How can a man when he is old go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God The kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. What do you mean? Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And we we know in John 4 when he's talking to the Samaritan woman, God is spirit and they that worship must worship in spirit and truth. For this is who the Lord is seeking. For our salvation, that which we call being born again, has to do with our relationship with the kingdom. People are always asking me, how in the world do you stay like this? They've asked my wife many times, is he like this all the time? She goes, yeah, I live with him. He's like this. Why? Because, and she, oh, by the way, when we got married, I wasn't like this. I wasn't walking like this, was I? Not even close. I mean, we met in that nightclub, you know. My favorite song was Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild. That's the one we danced to all the time. And all of a sudden, God invades my life, and I am changed, and I am changed. I'm on a new journey. And all of a sudden, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're trying to experience the joy of this kingdom. What in the world is this kingdom? In fact, the kingdom of God is so present in the first century that all of Paul's admonitions, all of Paul's admonitions to the church is the kingdom of God. Everything he spoke about is the kingdom of God. Romans is the kingdom of God. Corinthians is the kingdom of God. Galatians is the kingdom of God. Everything is that. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know? Are you completely unaware that if we stay in where we were born, we will not enter the kingdom of God? God has a plan. Do not Deceive yourself. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor people who slander, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Yola bole. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? Amen. amen. You can talk back. You can say Amen. I think I'll tell you a story one day about Amen. The acts of the, Galatians 5, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Well, of course they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. How about this? Fits of rage. I had that gift when I was younger. I had the gift of anger selfish ambition, dissensions. How about dissensions? Causing factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not inherit. This is an absolute those that live like this, those that have not been rebirthed, those who stay in that condition, those that slander, those that cause factions, those that do all the sexual stuff, all the orgies and all that kind of stuff, those that have hatred, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Luke says, "Well, when Christ said this, what, he was asked again about the kingdom. He says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? How can I compare it? What, I want to give you a picture of the kingdom. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through the dough. When I was a young man, uh, my dad, my dad was a former Marine, and and he was a tough man. But the other thing he liked is to bake. My dad loved to bake. And when he would, he would get this flour, and I was a very active young man uh, when I grew up. I was full of energy, and he would have me come in and and I don't know how you'd bake. I don't, I'm not a baker. But all I do is have these memories. My dad would have this big lump of dough. And it was like a lump. Okay? And I don't know how he did it. But I remember when I was a kid, he, they used to have these little packages called fleshman's or something. And they were yeast. Okay? I don't know what he did with them, but he, except he opened them. And then he would put this yeast into this flat dough. And then he would do this. And he would let me come in and pound it. And I would just keep pounding it and moving it and pounding it. And, you know, I was like the energy bunny kind of thing, you know, just I was having so much fun, I could beat on it and beat on it and beat on it and beat on it. And I I loved doing things like that. And then eventually he would cover it with a towel. And all of a sudden I would notice that this, this thing would rise. And then I could beat on it again. Okay? He let me beat it on it again and it would rise. And then I'd beat it on it again and it would rise. And I would beat it on it again. And, it would, whoo. and I, I used to think when I was little, like it was magic. Man, I don't know how dad did this, but this is like way cool. No matter how I slam this stuff down, it rises, and I slam it down. It just keeps getting here. And I look back and now what does God say about the kingdom? Let me compare the kingdom of God to you. It's what is the kingdom of God? It's like yeast that a woman took into a large amount of flour and it worked into the dough. God says the kingdom is here. And i'm going to work it into you i'm going to work it into you that no matter whatever happens my kingdom will be in you something's going to happen to you it's going to be noticeable you're not dead dough you're going to be a living dough it's going to be alive something will happen to you that's what it means so i said well where is it once having been asked where the kingdom of god would come when it would come jesus replied the kingdom of god will not come by your careful observation nor will people say there it is or here it is for the kingdom of God is in you." So the beauty is, for you and I, this is the exciting thing. What is salvation? What does it mean to be a man of God? Why does he say, test yourself, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5? Test yourself. Examine yourself. You examine yourself. Quit examining somebody else. You examine yourself. If you exam, test yourself Is that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, that's the least, unless indeed you fail the test. What's the failing of the test? There's no kingdom in there. <laughs> there is no kingdom in there. The kingdom of God is not in you. That's the failing of the test because he put it in us. All of it, 100%. So, what is it? <laughs> what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17, and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating drinks. It's not a bunch of regulations, okay? That's the idea. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved of by men. What do you mean approved of When the kingdom of God is in the center, when the kingdom of God is in a man, when it's been worked through in a woman, and God is working it. Now understand, to work it in you, God has got to give you trouble. He's got to let trouble heartaches. I call them wonderful opportunities. They're just opportunities. He's got to let them come to your door. They've got to be worked into you. It needs to work. It's just like I used to beat on that stuff. It's worked into you. It's worked into you. And all of a sudden righteousness starts to come out and peace starts to come out. The kingdom of God is what we were intended for. It's magnificent. It is our ministry. It's who we are. So I'll just give you a brief brief definition, okay? So righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit he who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved of by men. By the way, approved of by men just means people like you. Wouldn't that be fun? They like you. They actually think they like you. You can't figure it out either because a lot of people don't even like who they are. They don't. The problem is if I don't like me, you're not going to like me. If I don't know how to like me and love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I will never know God didn't tell me, love my wife as Christ, my son, loved the church because I can't. He told me to love her just like Christ did. How did Christ love us? He loved me in righteousness. He loved me in peace. He loved me in joy. He loved me in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you know? For when he went to John, he said, John, I need to be baptized. John says, no, no, I need to be baptized. And he said, Christ said, no, we need to fulfill all righteousness and when he went down and he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down upon the body and overwhelmed him. And you will see he lived in righteousness. He lived in peace. He lived in joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why on the cross he would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He loved them. That's the beauty. God doesn't ask me. He doesn't say, be joyful always. I know you can't, but be, I'm going to try to harass you. He told me to be joyful always. It's my choice. In righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, you look at this. So, I'm going to give you a few things. What in the world is righteousness? God is righteous. All through the Word of God. All through the Word of God. God is righteous. Man is not righteous. There's not one. There's, man is just tweaked out of shape. But in the gospel is a righteousness, a righteousness from God by faith from first to last. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. Do you, if you don't know you're a righteous man or a righteous woman, you're not praying very good. You won't pray with power. You won't pray with any authority. God has the authority. And he said, I've rebirthed you into my image. Get used to it. Enjoy it. Smile. Be happy. Be joyful. Live at peace. Quit complaining about yourself or anybody else. Righteousness is the deliverance, number one, it's the deliverance from my guilt. For me to live in righteousness, I need to be delivered from my guilt, my shame, my embarrassment, all my stupidity, and I need to be delivered from the power of it over me. He did that. He immediately said, Gus, you never again will have condemnation. I believed him. It means cleanness. It means transparency. It means integrity. It means no fear, absolutely no fear at all. All of a sudden, I can just be me. I'm just telling you, this is who I am. You can think I'm a jerk faced idiot. Well, praise God for that one. I, was, I am every bit of that along the journey. But I'm telling you what, I'm in love with Jesus the Christ. There is no one like the Lord. You want to know the Lord I know, you want to have His experiences. When I stood in His presence, I, I was singing to Him. I stood in the presence of God. I had something white on, I had, never, had no weight in me at all. That's, it's not a really good term, but there's no sin in His presence. And I'm singing to the Lord. I'm just singing. I'm unashamed. I'm singing. like Music is coming out of my innermost being. I don't know. What, and I am so stinking happy. There's movement everywhere. Colors like you can't imagine. And then the, our Father says to me, Gus, you have always been overwhelmed by me. And I was like, oh man, was I happy to hear that. Was I not happy to hear that? To hear the voice of God telling me I was, I've been overwhelmed by Him. And He says, what I'm about to do in you, I want you to call overwhelmed by grace. And I thought, oh Father, thank you. And that's how a ministry was birthed. So I look at cleanness, transparency. It's an unmarred condition, unmarred beyond reproach. I'm living in this righteousness. I get to repent of sins that I forgot that I had done. I forget to, I get to move along a journey to bless people along my life. It's life without any hypocrisy. There's no fake here. There's no nothing. I mean, where we are, we are. We live this way. This is a magnificent life. There's no one like the Lord. And you've got to know because there's no one like the Lord. If you've been rebirthed, there's no one like you. You are just downright awesome. You hate to say it, don't you? Just hate to say it. You think it's too prideful. It's not pride, it's a confidence. Listen, you're a righteous man, a righteous woman. Why? God Almighty. He, good grief. It's just, it's just like the creation. He spoke it and said, It's done, it's finished, it was finished. It's life without. Our, it's a goodness to live in the love of God. It is a faith to know and then act. Righteousness is I always do that which pleases my Father. That's what Christ said. I always do that which pleases my Father. Next week, I'm going I'm to speak on a, a message that I call it, You Don't Know What You Don't Know. You'll understand what I say when I don't know. You'll get it next week. But it's about why this magnificent faith in this righteousness is so overwhelming to us. And what is the result of righteousness? See, It's peace. You don't have peace in your home or peace anywhere. Peace in the church. Peace in the community. There's no peace unless you know that you're righteous. You can't jump into peace. It doesn't happen. It's the natural byproduct of righteousness. When a man and a woman has been rebirthed and they received and accepted by faith, by faith that they are righteous. They hear what God has said and they choose because they know what God has said. They choose to act upon what God said, not what their sinful emotion just requested. It is the, it's not the absence of trouble, good grief. No, you've got to have trouble. May the Lord bless you with lots of heartache and trouble. I did that with my—I I don't know if I told you this, but I've spoken so many different places. Um, Years ago, we started a church in Bellingham, and God had really blessed, and we were, I mean, thousands of people getting saved, and a navigator, you know navigator ministry? Great ministry, right? These navigators came to talk to me, three navigators, and they said, uh, we Pastor Gus, and I think you just called me Gus. Well, they kept calling me Pastor Gus, I'm just Gus, but anyway, they're sitting in the office, and they said, we wanted to have, you know, you have, a, you have a, a relationship with God. We wanted you to pray over us. Would you pray over us? I said, it would be my privilege. Thank you. They knelt down. I put my hands on them. And I asked the Lord, I said, Father, I'm asking a blessing on these young men. They're going to go to Hawaii and start a Navigators at the University of Hawaii. May you bless them with heartache. May you bless them with trouble. May you bless them with unbelievable dark days. May they be so dark that they have to scream out to you in the magnificence of your kingdom and your righteousness. And and I went on and on and on. In the love of Jesus Christ, amen. (laughs) These men looked up at me and they said, That's not exactly what we were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) A year later, Two of them came back to see me and they were all just lit. They were like, whoo! I said, what? He says, man, we've got that ministry started and it happened just the way you prayed. I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm telling you what, we are rocking. We feel God's righteousness like we've never felt. Praise God, you don't get it any other way, dude. It's already in you. You don't experience the victory until the darkness tries to come. You choose the light. You are the light. You are the righteousness. You are the peace. You are the joy. The Holy Spirit has anointed you. Now get used to it. And you don't know it until you get a battle. Boom! Something has to hit you. Some darkness has to knock on the door. And all of a sudden you discover, why I call it an opportunity, you discover who you are in your faith. For the righteousness is by faith from first to last and the righteous man, the righteous woman, live by it. So, peace, it's way cool. Christian peace consists entirely of your relationship with God, and then your relationship with God reaches the relationship with man. The way you talk to men is the way your relationship is with God. If you're angry with men, you are not doing well with God. He is righteous and he never comes out yelling at us. He is tolerant, he is patient, and he is kind all the time. He leads us into repentance by his kindness and so it has no condemn peace has no condemnation and is never rude it is never rude it is never obnoxious it doesn't do that the word peace actually means harmony our music director a wonderful gal she's she's also a theologian, got her master's and all so I was talking to her, and of course you can say well, harmony, it's all harmony. That's a music term, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what is it? What is it? This is what she said to me. Harmony is a sympathetic vibrations in a natural harmonic series. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now if you're a musician, you may have got that. Okay? I didn't get it. I said, harmony is, is, is what? It's a it's a systematic vibrations in a natural harmonic series. What is this? My watch is making noise. How's it do that? Okay, man, oh man. I'm okay. I'm supposed to say I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, my watch just said, did you fall? <laughs> <laughs> is that too cool? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it just asked me that. That's what it just did. Did you fall? What kind of a watch is this? Anyway, we just got it yesterday. <laughs> Man, he's asking me questions in the middle of the sermon. Here we go. Okay. So, I, so we went in here. and how we did it. We went into our piano. We have a big grand piano. And she said, here it is. Watch. This is harmony. This is the peace of God. And she hits this big string on there with all these, boom, like that. And about four or five over, all of a sudden, one starts vibrating all by itself. The thing didn't even touch it. She did not touch it. And I went, wow. And then another one started vibrating. Then about four or five over, another one started vibrating. She said, that's the peace of God. She said, all of a sudden, what do you mean? The peace of God in righteousness, the peace, and, and it's in the Holy Spirit. You start, in a sense, Gus, you're starting to vibrate with the Holy Spirit. You're starting to think like that. You're starting to have emotions that move you, and they excite you in the magnificence of God Himself. And I was like, whoa, la bole. The first thing I did is I taught the Band of Brothers that one, man. I, you know, I said, I just had to, and then I had to get to a piano. Watch this. Boom. Come on, watch this. And I was just excited. I, this is the peace of God. And, and, and so, righteousness, the magnificence of no condemnation, the thrill of never rudeness, I get the choice and let, the, let them come to me, Father. Let the heartache come. But I will rejoice in you. It results in a peace which results in joy. See, joy in the Holy Spirit is different. There's a magnificence that I can choose joy in the midst of my troubles, because He is my joy. The joy of the Lord becomes my strength. It doesn't mean I'm. May I not even have a grin on my face? I may be in. I've had many times where I'm in a state of total confusion. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Where am I going? Why in the world am I here anyway? What did this happen for? I don't know. But I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose joy. It's not any different when Christ said, Father, forgive them, and the very next word says, Oh, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? (laughs) Christ Himself is asking the Father, Why did you forsake me? He didn't understand. The man Christ Jesus did not get it at the moment, but it was finished. And then He cried out, It's over. When these three, when righteousness, peace, and joy are the description of our character, who we are, then love reigns. In our lives without any obstacle, we can, we can do it. So, anyway, the fruit of the Spirit, I've, I've got to end this thing uh, because of time, but uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Well, against such things, there is no law. Well, if, if the outpoint of the Holy Spirit, if the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, then it's naturally that men and women, become filled with the joy of the love of God, and a joy for each other. So remember when we started, it was Jesus Christ who said, I tell you the truth. Some of you standing here will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God. Wow. So what does it mean for a man or woman of God? What does it mean? It means you're seeking the kingdom. He said, seek my kingdom first and live righteously, and I'll meet every need you have. My wife and I, de- and I decided that well over 40 years ago. we would just been two people on a journey together, seeking the kingdom of God, seeking His righteousness, seeking His peace, seeking His joy in the Holy Spirit, and He's blessed us at every moment. We've had many heartaches many times. I'll end with these, these scriptures, and then we'll have our band come up and lead us in a great song. want to know, the first century church, book of Acts, Acts 1, after His suffering, He showed Himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God. Now think of this. You ask, why did Christ stay on the earth for 40 days? He stayed on the earth for 40 days to teach His men the kingdom of God. He spoke to them for 40 solid days about the kingdom of God. 40 solid days he spoke to them about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The comforter will come. No wonder they stayed in that room. I'm telling you, there's a kingdom. You seek it, it is righteousness. My Father's kingdom is righteous. It is peace. It is joy. It will be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay until He comes. And then, man, when it happened, it happened, big time. Acts 8, but when they believed Philip as he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized men and women. Acts 14, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, we must go through many hardships, there it is, I'm telling you, many hardships, to enter the kingdom of God. They said to Paul and Barnabas, and, and Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in each church, and, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord and to His trust. Acts 19, Paul entered the synagogue. He entered the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. What did you speak on? Arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For three months, what did he teach? Can you imagine that? For three months. And then... Acts 28, 23, and they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God. Yola bole. Is that not thrilling? Amen. Well, you guys are quiet. You're like Baptists or something. I need to make you Pentecostals or something. (laughs) Okay, I got Baptist churches being louder than you guys now. I mean, whew, you'd think the Baptist churches, is charismatic or something. They got their hands in the air. They're all loud all the time. Boldly, last, the last verse in Acts, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught to them about Jesus. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. He loves you, and it's for you. Amen? Amen. Never be ashamed. Let the troubles come, Lord, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to rock with them. We're going to choose God every single time. Every time He says something, have this attitude in yourself, then I'm going to have the attitude of Christ. When He says, love your wife like I loved you, then I'm going to love, I'm learning all the time, and I've always told my wife, you know, since we were young, and I've been trying this for a lot of years now. And I'm, I'm trying to get better and better all the time. And I said, honey, by the time I get my act truly together, I'm going to hit the compost pile. I just know it's going to happen. You know, and that's why I got in that rig I got out there. I have a sign. Old age is coming at a really bad time. <laughs> I went, finally, I'm getting it. You know, well, that's not how our band come up. They're going to lead us in worship. Let's stand and let's be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I Amen. Amen. Wow, that was awesome. That was just flat out awesome. Thank you so much for that. I want to remind you, I uh, remember about Andre and, and uh, he's got a table out there. Make sure you see them. And then if you'd like one of those bookmarkers, it's over on the book table I got there. And I, I also want to just make a statement. I've, I've been here for three weeks now and I want you to know that you have absolutely an outstanding elder team. Your men of God here are blessed. Amen. They're a great elder team. In fact, Neil Anderson is an elder, and this man is about to go preach in another church. And I, what a gracious man, Neil, thank you for loving our Lord so much. And we're going to pray a blessing on you and then pray a blessing on, on Neil as he goes to proclaim the, my, the word of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we just come to present you before you who we are in the magnificence of Christ and Christ alone. Thank you for the kingdom that is within us. Thank you that we're seeking the kingdom. I'm asking for every man, woman, boy, and girl here, they would experience your presence of kingdom, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Neil, Lord. Thank you for his great love of you. Thank you for the years of his service to you. Thank you for the ministry that pours out of a heart that is so filled with joy to you. Thank you for the knowledge and the experiences you've given to him and for the people he's going to proclaim your eternal breath to. Thank you for this day. May your blessings go with your sons and daughters. May they delight in you, and may they feel the wonderful pleasure of granting them the desires of their heart as they rejoice in you. Thank you for this wonderful morning together. In the love of Jesus the Christ, amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you for being here. Have a great day.